land in Spain. Now, if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to read in the Gospel of Mark. Gospel of Mark, chapter 12. Mark, chap chapter 12. And we are going to read from verse 28 to verse 34. Mark 12, 28, for, uh, from verse 28 through to verse 34. But before we read God's word and we meditate upon it, we'll ask him for his blessing. Our eternal Heavenly Father, we thank thee for this great, great privilege we have to come before thee to thy house to worship thee. Father, we thank thee for thy word, the word that is in our hands. We have the freedom to have it to open it, to read it. Uh, we thank thee for that. But we also uh, acknowledge that we need thee. We need, we need thy Holy Spirit to speak to us. Father, we pray that thou will open our hearts, that thou will also give us understanding, that thou will bless our hearts through this means of grace, thy word. And Father, I pray thee that thou will help me also to preach the word. Give me liberty to preach as I ought, but especially, Father, I pray that, that thy name will be glorified and that we may have uh, thy word uh, written in our hearts. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Mark chapter 12, verse 28. And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he, that is Christ, had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength, this is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than this. And the scribe said unto him, Well, master, thou hast said the truth. For there is one God, and there is none other but he. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love his neighbor as himself, is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said unto him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. And no man after that durst ask him any question. We find here this brief story about this man, this scribe, that came to the Lord with this question. Now, through his ministry, the Lord had to face several hard questions, humanly speaking. We don't need to go very far away. Uh, we find in this same chapter that uh, there, was, there were two groups that came to the Lord asking, asking him two different questions. The first group, 
And we find the first group in verse 13. Same chapter, chapter 12, verse 13. And they sent, that is, the, uh, the rulers uh, and, the, and the high priest and so on. And they, said unto, they sent unto him certain of the Pharisees and of the Herodians. And then we find in verse 14, at the end of verse 14, this question. And most of you will know this story. This is the question. Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? Shall we give or shall we not give? And then we have a second group. We find this second group in verse 18. Then come unto him the Sadducees. And then we find this question at the end uh, in verse 23. In the resurrection, therefore, and you see this, this story, they, they came to the Lord with, uh, this, there was this woman that had one uh, husband after another, after another, because the first one died, the second one died, and so on. And this is the question, verse 23. In the resurrection, therefore, when they shall rise, whose wife shall, be, sh shall she be of them? For the seven had her to wife. And then we have a third group. And this third group is just formed by this one man, this scribe, that he came to the Lord with this question at the end of verse 28, which is the first commandment of all. Now, I'm going to show you tonight, with God's help, that if you're here, because I don't know you, I don't know what's in your heart, I don't know if you're uh, a true Christian, uh, I don't know if you're not saved, if you're not saved, if you're outside of Christ, if Christ is not your Savior, I'm going, to, I'm going to show you from this portion of Scripture that you are like this man. Now, see, let's see, uh, after this conversation, when he asked this question to the Lord, and then we find this conversation, at the end of this conversation, the Lord said to this man, verse 34, Thou art not far... From the kingdom of God. And from this passage of scripture. If you're here tonight. And you're without Christ. I'm going to show you. That in some greater or smaller degree. You're like this man. And if you're like this man. In the spiritual aspect of it. We see that the Lord is telling you. This same question. If you're without Christ here tonight. The Lord is telling you. He's saying to you. You are not a, you are not far from the kingdom of God, and for that to that end, we're going to see three questions very briefly. Three questions. The first question we find here is why was this man close to the kingdom of God? We could say it in this way: if he was not far from the kingdom of God, that means that he was close to the kingdom of God. But we're going to see. That to be close is not enough. But the first question is, why was this man close to the kingdom of God? And we find in this passage two reasons why this man was close to the kingdom of God. The first reason we find here is that this man had a spiritual concern about very important questions concerning God and, uh, and his commandments and his word. He had a very important spiritual concern. He came to the Lord. With this question, which is the first commandment of all? And I've mentioned to you these other two groups. First, the, uh, the Pharisees and the Herodians. And then the second group, the Sadducees. 
Now, we don't have the time now, but just very briefly, if you consider these groups and their question, you will see that these groups were a bunch, a bunch of hypocrites. The first group, the Pharisees and the Herodians, by the way, they, was, they were not... Uh, Mo, uh, these, these groups, they were very opposite to each other. They were so different in so many things. But regardless, they came to the Lord with this question. Is it lawful? They came with a coin, uh, with the face of, uh, of uh, Caesar on it. And they said, is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? Now, these two groups, for different reasons, they didn't want Caesar as their ruler. The Pharisees, they were very zealous. They were a very religious group. They were uh, used to the heart, we could say. And they didn't want anybody else, apart from the Jews themselves, to rule over them. They, they, hate. they hated the, the, the Roman Empire. So they came with this question to the Lord. How are, are we to give tribute to Caesar? When they didn't care, they didn't want us, actually. They, didn't, they, didn't, they hated the, the Romans. And this second group, the Herodians. They were uh, anti-rulers, we could say. Uh, they didn't, uh, they didn't uh, govern themselves by, or they, they didn't want to govern themselves by any rules. So they were here for these different reasons, but they, they came together with this very hypocrite uh, question. Now, the Sadducees were not any better, because we find there in verse 18, then come unto him the Sadducees, which they say there is no resurrection. And they came to the Lord speaking about story concerning resurrection. And they take for granted, well, verse 23, in the resurrection, they take for granted there's going to be resurrection, but they didn't believe in resurrection. In the resurrection, therefore, when they shall rise, whose wife shall, be, shall she be of them? So they came to the Lord with these questions. They were very hypocrite, great hypocrites. And they came with, this, with these questions. Why? Verse 13. They came to the Lord, at the end of the verse we read, to catch him in his words. So their questions, they didn't have, their questions didn't show any true spiritual concern. But this man was very different. Verse 28. And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he, Christ, had answered them well, Asked him, which is the first commandment of all? You see, the Pharisees, they had a long list of different commandments. Some of those were God's commandments. Some other were man-made commandments. So it was all a mess for them. But this man, he wanted to know which is the first commandment. Yes, he, he, he forgot all. He, he wanted to set aside all, 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 those, all that list of the Pharisees concerning the commandments. Uh, and he came to him, oh, you have, uh, he saw that the Lord answered well uh, those questions. So he came with this question, a very different kind of question compared to the other ones. Well, if you compare the Gospel of Matthew, you will read there that this man came to the Lord to tempt him. But there, that word in the original, it can mean to try. Actually, we read in some other verses that the Lord tries or faith, and it's the same verb. So depending on the context, it can mean Something evil or something uh, lawful. So this man came to the Lord to try him with a question. Why? Because he had answered well those questions. And now he wanted to know the answer to this very important question, which is the first commandment of all. 
And if you're here tonight, you might have also questions in your heart. Lawful questions, important questions. I don't know, maybe, uh, what about God? How is it that he created everything? How he came to earth, uh, Christ, God um, uh, manifested in the flesh. How can, how can one be saved? And so on. You have important questions in your heart. And you, and you know that the word of God can give you this answer. If, that, if that's so, you're like this man with a spiritual concern. And if that's your case, that, then that means that the Lord is telling you, you are not far from the kingdom of God. But there's another reason here for this man, because he was close to the kingdom of God. And we find that this man was familiarized with, uh, with, uh, with the Lord and with his word. He was familiarized with the Lord and with his word. We read verse 28 again about this man. Uh, he was scribe. Now, scribe, in those times, it was, we could say, he was a teacher. A teacher of the law of God. He, he, uh, they were in charge of teaching others the word of God. So, to that end, they had to study the word of God. They had to even memorize the word of God uh, uh, in, their, in their minds. And we can see that this man was so familiarized that when uh, Christ answered that question, actually Christ answered, quoting uh, from the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and on. And when the Lord quoted scripture, you see this man recognized. He said, oh, you have have answered well. We read that there. Uh, in this verse 32, and the scribe said unto him, Well, master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God. And he's quoting again uh, this chapter from Deuteronomy. So he knew scripture. And he could recognize when somebody quoted the scripture and when, that, when somebody quoted rightly. He quoted uh, uh, correctly uh, the scripture. So he knew the word of God. But at the same time, you see, this scribe, he had God's word in his mind, memorized. He, was, he, he had just in front of him, talking to him, speaking to him, the fulfillment of all those passages and promises and prophecies from the Old Testament that he knew by memory. Christ, Jesus, Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ was just in front of him. He was the fulfillment of all those passages that he had in his mind and for that reason we see that this man was familiarized with the lord and with his word and again if you're here tonight and you're without christ you're like this man you're familiarized familiarized with the word of god and with the lord himself you may have you may have questions as i've mentioned but you know You know right in your heart, right in your mind, who is God, the only creator of everything. You know that this is his word. You know, if I I ask you, who is the savior of sinners? Right away you will tell me, Jesus Christ. And so on, and so many questions. If I would ask you several questions, you would know right away the answer to it. You have God's word memorized in your mind. And you know you can point out who is the savior of sinners. So for all those reasons, if you're here tonight and you're without Christ, nonetheless, 
the Lord is telling you, you are not far from the kingdom of God. You're close to the kingdom of God for those reasons. Because you have some spiritual concerns, but at the, and the, and the, at the same time, you're familiarized with God's word and with the Lord, the Savior, the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's a second question. And the second question is, why to be close to the kingdom of God is not enough. You might be here tonight without Christ, and as we have seen, the Lord is telling you, you're not far from the kingdom of God. You are close to the kingdom of God. But to be close to the kingdom of God is not enough. And that, again, is for two reasons. And we find that here in this passage. The first reason we find here is that salvation does not depend on a mere external religious life. Salvation does not depend on a mere external religious life. You see, this man, they ca he came to the Lord. They came into this conversation. He, uh, he asked this very important question with his spiritual concern. And the Lord answered him. And then he, uh, he quoted back and he said, oh, you, you, you know, you are right. That's true. That's the word of God. Uh, there's only one God, and we must love God with all our being, and so on. And he was quoting. So the Lord could see that this man, he had this spiritual concern, and at the same time that this man knew quite well God's word, and he could even argue about it. But then the Lord didn't say, well, I see you're, you're a religious person, and you have a spiritual concern, and you know God's, God's word by memory. Therefore, you're all right. You don't have to worry about it. You're all right. You'll, go, you'll get to heaven. Somehow, sometime, you will get to heaven. No, we, 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 don't, we don't read that, do we? What we read here is after this conversation, the Lord told this man, you are not far from the kingdom of God, which means that he was not, he, he was not in the kingdom of God yet. And again... You're here tonight. I don't know, I don't know you. Uh, if, you're, if you're without Christ and you're uh, characterized by all these things we have seen tonight, those things will not save you. Just a bare knowledge in your mind, in your memory of the Word of God and who is the Savior, all those spiritual concerns that you may have under I'm sure those are very important spiritual concerns that uh, you're looking for an answer. And all those uh, different things, though they're important, those things will never save you. Because you see, salvation does not depend on just all external religious life. And the Lord proved that to that man when he said, you're not far from the kingdom of God. In other words, you're, you're, still, you're not in the kingdom of God yet. But there's a, there's a second reason why to be close to the kingdom of God is not enough. And the second reason is, and the Lord showed that to this man, the second reason is that no man, nobody, can obey God's law perfectly. God requires us to obey his word, his law, perfectly. But none of us is able to obey, to fulfill his law, his commandments perfectly. 
This passage, by the way, this passage is not that we can uh, apply it to uh, sanctification, for example. Uh, but this passage, passage is not, when the Lord quoted the law, it's not, he was not showing that, at this, in this context, that this man had to live a life of sanctification. Actually, what the Lord did, did, was doing with this man, he brought, the Lord brought this man just in front, of, in, in front of God's law. He made this man face God's law. And that's why he, the Lord quoted uh, uh, the law. So this is the summary of the Ten Commandments. Those commandments have to do with God, and those commandments ha- that has, has, to be, has to do with, with our, our neighbor. And let's pay attention just very briefly. Verse 30, when the Lord quoted uh, the law. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, and read again the emphasis, with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. How, when, just for one day, think about your, first, your best day in your life. Your best day. That you, oh, this is my day that I've done everything. I think I've done everything perfect. Well, tell me if in that day, on, on that day, you have loved God with all, with all your being, above all things. Nobody has. And if we go to the second part of the Ten Commandments, how we deal with our neighbor, uh, have you ever told a lie? Have you ever had uh, a desire that is not lawful? Uh, and so on. Have you ever covet, coveted uh, somebody that is not yours? Well, you have broken God's law. But we'll just keep, uh, keep our minds uh, in that first aspect here uh, concerning uh, or uh, duties toward, toward God. So here the Lord is saying that we must love God with all of our being if we, are, if, we, if we are to be right with God. And we can't. Nobody has done it. Apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, of course. And then the Lord says, listen, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and remember, this, this man was a scribe, and he knew God's word by, by memory. So this man, knowing the Old Testament scriptures, when Christ said, you must love God with all your heart, then this man, if he had remembered, this man would have remembered uh, that, uh, passage, that passage in, uh, uh, in uh, Ezekiel, where we read there, that, sorry, it's uh, Jeremiah that we read there that the heart is desperately wicked. It's deceitful and desperately wicked above all things. So this man could see that his, his heart in front, of, in, in front of God's law, he couldn't. He couldn't. He wasn't able to obey God uh, with all his heart. And at the same time, and with all thy soul. And we find there in the book of uh, the prophecy of Ezekiel that the Lord says the soul of the father and the soul of the, of the son are mine the soul that sinneth shall die so if, what it means there is that regardless your age no matter how old or how young you are if you have sinned against God then you're a sinner 
and we all perish in our sins. And then this man again, when the Lord said, and you must love God with all thy mind. And there in the book of Psalms, for example, just to quote, uh, we find there, there is no uh, God in the thoughts, in the mind of men. And again, in, those, in that passage, in the Psalms, and we must love God with all thy strength. And we read there, there is none just, none that doeth good. We all have gone straight like sheep. So when the Lord, when the Lord was saying that you must, we must, we must love God with all our being, in, all, in every aspect of our lives, we see, we see the Lord was facing this man uh, uh, before, the, before God's law. And we, when we come before God's law, God's law, we see that we have broken his commandments, every single one of them, in every area, and with every aspect of our being. And that's, why, that, that's the second reason why to be close to the kingdom of God is not, you know, is not enough. You may, you may quote the Ten Commandments, for example, but that's not enough. Because those Ten Commandments show, show, show you that you're a sinner. We all are sinners. And we fall short of the glory of God. That meant, therefore, that that man was condemned because of, the, because, of his, because of his sins. And listen, I'm not, it's not me who says this. It's, God's, it's, it's God who's saying this in his word. If you're without Christ, you're condemned already. You're, God, you're under God's wrath. Because to be close to the kingdom of God is not enough. Then there is a third question, a very important question. The other two are, are important, of course, but this one we could say is even more important even. What is necessary to be in the kingdom of God? What do you need, if you're here tonight without Christ, what do you need to be in the kingdom of God? Well, it's the same as the Lord said to this man. You must come before God. You must realize that you, can do, you cannot do anything by and in yourselves to fulfill God's law. And you see how this man answered? So, well, you have, you have, you have answered well because there's only one God. And uh, to obey God and to, to love them with all your being and so on and your neighbor, that is the fulfillment of God's law. And not just an external ritual of some uh, spiritual, uh, sorry, of some religious life will get me right with God. So for that reason, when this, came, when this man came to that conclusion that God's law should be fulfilled perfectly and not just externally, then the Lord told him, well, you've answered wisely. And therefore, you're not far from the kingdom of God. And that's the first step. You must realize, you must acknowledge that you are a sinner and come before God and repent from your sins. And this man had just in front of him, not just the fulfillment of all those prophecies, but Christ, the one that was in front of him, in front of this man, he was the fulfillment of God's law, of every single commandment. When we read and when we, when we think about Christ taking our place, he not only took our place on the cross, dying for us. Actually, he took our place 
at in every second, every second, every every moment of his life of obedience to God's law, he was taking our place because we cannot we cannot obey God's law perfectly. Uh, so he obeyed God's God's law perfectly, and every second we could even say that every second of his life was a second of obedience to God's law because we are sinners and we cannot obey God's law and this man what was necessary for him he had to uh, turn turn from self-righteousness to Christ the righteousness of God and receive him by faith as his own and personal savior and you must do so if you are to be saved now before I finish just to show you the huge difference the huge difference between being close to the kingdom of God and being in the kingdom of God because we've seen that to be close no matter how close you are if you are without Christ that is not enough and to that end I want to ask you to use your imagination. Okay? Please use, use your imagination in this, uh, uh, in this situation. Imagine you're on, a holi- uh, on your holidays, right? And you're in one of those boats, one of those big boats that uh, cruise the ocean. And you're in your bedroom, right? You're just there enjoying. You're enjoying life. At, at its best, as you see it. But then all of a sudden, you start hearing people shouting and screaming. And then you, you, you ask, you, you, you're wondering, well, what's going on? And then you just go out of your bedroom, you just go to the, I don't know what you call it, the surface of the boat. And you realized, and you, you realize that the boat is sinking. It's sinking. You're in the middle of the ocean, and the boat is sinking. But there's another problem you cannot swim. You don't know how to swim. So if the boat sinks because you cannot swim, you're going to die. And when your hope is nearly gone, when you are at a complete despair, then you realize there's there's a life jacket. They're uh, floating on the surface of the sea. It's not very far away, but it's it's not too close either. So you realize that this is your only hope. You need to grab it. You need to take hold of that life jacket. So in order to do that, you just stand back. And you start running toward the edge of the boat. And then you just jump off the boat. And you just grab it. You grab the life jacket. I want you to picture it. You grab. You got to grab the life jacket. You put it on. And now, regardless, two facts. Regardless, the boat is sinking. And regardless, you cannot swim. You're not going to perish. Because you put the life jacket on. Translating that, translating that into what we've seen tonight. If you put on Christ, no matter those who are around you perishing, in their sins. And no matter, regardless how, sin, how, 
how, how sinful you are. What, what a great sinner you are. If you believe in Christ, if you receive, receive him as your, as your own personal Savior, as, as, as the as scripture says, if you put on Christ, his righteousness, through faith, you're going to be saved. Because you'll be in the kingdom of God. You see? If you believe in Christ right now, you will be in the kingdom of God. You will be saved. Your sins will be forgiven. Because Christ's righteousness will be upon you. And God will look upon you and he will see God's perfect, uh, he will see Christ's perfect righteousness. But there's another side of the of this story. And once more, I'm going to ask you to use your imagination. Again, same story. You see the life jacket. You stand back. You start running. You, ju you jump off the boat. But instead of grabbing, instead of grabbing the life jacket, you messed it. You messed it by this much. See, you were so close. But close is not enough. You nearly touched it. You're not far away. You were not far away. But to be close is not enough. And again, taking that into what we've seen tonight, you're really close. You're not far from the kingdom of God. You know God's word. You know God's salvation. You know who is the Savior. You have those questions bothering, even we could say, in your mind, in your heart, and you have that spirit concern. And you know that salvation does not depend on your religious life because you have broken God's law. We, have, we all have. You need to come to Christ because if not, you will perish. See this story. We have read here. We, 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 don't, we don't find the... We don't have uh, the end of the story. We only, we, the only thing we read here, and no man after that durst ask him any question. Why? We don't know. The end of that story is left open. And in a way, tonight, the answer to that question is open to you as well. The question I'm referring to is, are you going to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? If you believe in him from this moment on into eternity, you will be in the kingdom of God. Your sins will be forgiven. God will give you in Christ eternal life. But no matter how close you are, if you are without Christ, no matter how close you are, you're still outside the kingdom of God. So come to Christ, repent from your sins, and be saved through faith in him. Amen. We do thank the Lord's servant for the message to our hearts tonight. And maybe you're not far from the kingdom of God, but as he has said, to be not far is to be not in, and you need to be in the kingdom of God. And if you're, uh, God has spoken to you tonight, then trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. We're going to close our meeting in prayer. And 
Let's just seek the face of the Lord, please. Our loving God and our gracious Father in heaven, we thank thee for thy precious word to our hearts this evening. We thank thee for the challenge that there has been. We think of this man who was not far from the kingdom of God, but was not in. And we pray that men and women might be in, that they might come and receive the one who is our righteousness, and that they may trust in the one who is the only perfect Savior. And we pray, our God, that thou wouldst bless us now and part us in thy fear and with thy blessing. We'd ask that thou wouldst take us to our homes in safety. But Lord, we pray that most of all, that thou wouldst cause men and women to trust in thee and come to know thee, whom to know is life eternal. Bless us now. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with thy people both now and in the incoming days. For Jesus' sake, amen.